We are recording late on a Thursday, just in time for the Europa League games. And well, frankly, we just wish we were in Lyon with a friend of the show, Tom, drowning ourselves in French beer, singing It's Forever Blowing Bubbles. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. Season 2, episode 58 of the Anglo-Italian pod. As always, I'm Tommaso, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host... Me, Rory, I'm here. How are you, Tommy? How are you, listeners? Hope you are all very well. Well, I'll answer for myself since the <laughs> listeners, uh, we wouldn't hear them. I'm doing great. Uh, I'm leaving for London in uh, six hours from now. So by the time you will be listening to this pod, I will be in the English capital. I'm very excited. Rory, for the first time in my life, I want to take a look at all the most famous stadiums in London. I'm very excited about that. You have to go to the Emirates first, right? That has to be first. You can't go to any other before the Emirates. Not oh. Stamford Bridge. Don't tell me you're going to go see Tottenham before you're going to see Arsenal. Dude, my way. apartment uh, that I rented is in Tottenham Hale. So I think that's going to be the first one I'm, I'm going to go and see. I'm very sorry about that. So you're going to go see the toilet bowl and then you can <laughs> see the proper stadium. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what are your plans for Easter, man? Um, I've got a friend arriving in, well, a friend and his girlfriend, who is also a friend, um, arriving in two hours or so. They're currently in the air. So it's my first visitors for two years, which feels fucking crazy. Um, Brad and his missus are coming out and then we're going to Florence. So I'm pretty excited. It's my first time in Florence. Um, mm, make sure you get panino col lampredotto. These okay. are... I, it's basically the interiors of the cow. They boil them oh, and then they tripe. I don't like tripe, man. Man, you gotta try it. At least try it. Make sure you try it with a nice glass of red wine in any square in Florence. It's okay. cheap. It's filling. It's fucking awesome. Well, I've heard the meat there is incredible, so I'm pretty excited. And the only problem is the three, like my mate Brad, does not give a flying fuck about football. So obviously his missus doesn't give a fuck either. My missus doesn't give a fuck. And I'm still trying to figure out if I can squeeze in a trip to the Artemi or Frankie, but I don't think I'm going to be able to. I think it's not that far from the center of Florence. It's a pretty small town, but hey, we'll be sharing any of the stadiums that we see yeah. on our Instagram. Nice little leeway. Make sure you follow us. Oh, Tommy, us. I also, we need a picture for the Instagram and Twitter of you doing the knee slide next to Thierry Henry. That's what we need. Fuck yes. I will try my best. And do <laughs> Let's, it. Do it. Let's do but it. But remember to follow us on Instagram if you want to, uh, if you don't want to miss all these pictures at Anglo Italian Pod. You can follow us on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod. You can find us on YouTube, of course, Spotify. And here, here, we have just landed on LinkedIn as well. So oh, you can, oh, we're what? everywhere. What? You can't escape us, guys. This episode is probably going to be a bit shorter than usual. We get it. You're going to to be very busy with your families over Easter, enjoying the beautiful weather, eating great food. What is the structure of the episode? We're going to go first a bit around the world. Then we're going to preview Serie A and Premier League for what concerns this weekend. And then in our weekly topic, we are going to break down this week's action in the Champions League, but especially the head-to-head -head between the managers that are going to take these four teams into the hottest part of the season. Rory, are you excited? I'm pretty excited. I am actually, I'm going to say I'm very excited. Let's do it. The first news from around the world that I wanted to share 
is a feel-good news coming from the Bundesliga. It was beautiful to see three days ago in the game between Augsburg and Mainz. It was the first time in professional football mm. that a football player, Nyakate in this case, was given officially by the referee time to drink after sundown as he was following Ramadan. It was great to see, and it was very well welcomed by the entire stadium, who started clapping their hands. Mm -hmm. The player proceeded to shake the hand of the referee. All the managers applauded, and then the game proceeded, and they thought it was just beautiful to see that somebody thought about this. I cannot imagine playing Man. any sport without any food nor water in, in my body. Like it's insane. Like, I think I mentioned it in the last week's episode. Fafana did it for Leicester, where he hadn't taken on any liquids and played. And, like, uh, even so, personally, like, last the last school I taught in was a heavily Muslim school. There was a lot of Muslim students. And even the students in class during Ramadan, understandably, they were unable to concentrate. They were constantly tired. They were like, it was a real struggle during Ramadan to keep them awake to keep them studying that so i can't even imagine how hard it is to then compete as a world-class athlete having not taken on any calories at all it genuinely is like mind-blowing it's so so impressive where are you taking us next the rory well first it's a, a little bit of sad news but this week um former columbia captain freddie rincon died in a car crash at the age of 55 really sad awful news um he played in the 86, 90, and 94 World Cups for Colombia. He holds the record with Valderrama. Uh, sorry, 1994 and 98 World Cups. He holds a record with Valderrama um, for Colombia with the most World Cup appearances at 10. Um, he played for Napoli. He was on loan in the 94, 95 season. He made 28 appearances. And most Napoli fans will remember him scoring two goals against Lazio as they came from 2-0 um, down to win 3-2. Um, and just really sad news, but some of the stuff we've seen come out about him on social media has been beautiful. So rest in peace, Freddie. And, of course, a football manager legend. I'm going to take it to another sad news, not as sad as this one. However, Catania historical Italian club officially went bankrupt during the course of the of this week and it was beautiful to see that well now they're going to be relegated to the very bottom leagues but it was beautiful to see that the day after the news broke the Palermo fans their number one rivals in football had unveiled the banner outside their training ground saying we are with you Whoever is managing this sport doesn't think about the people who love it. And I thought it was beautiful. And if you want to take a look at where Catania and Palermo are respectively in Sicily, whoever put that banner, I want to think, went all the way from Palermo to do it because mm -hmm. there aren't many Palermo fans in Catania. So <laughs> I like the idea of this guy driving across Sicily over one night to unveil that banner sportmanship at its very well that, finest. that is a club that is this must be like the ninth version of that club now catania they've been in and out of business so many times it feels like friend of the show luca will come on soon yeah. to tell us all about catania <laughs> since <laughs> yeah. since he was a palermo fan but then when catania got good again he he went back to supporting catania since he's <laughs> from, from there where are we going to next rory well, next, kind of the, the story that I think we just need reminding a little bit. Um, very quickly, the Scotland versus Ukraine playoff has been settled for the 1st of June. So we have a date that is going to take place. Obviously, this is going to be a bit of a weird game because 
well, it's obvious why it's going to be weird, yeah. right? There's yep. going to be a lot of sympathy towards the Ukrainian players. They're not going to want to be treated any differently. They're going to want Scotland to play properly and give them a game, and Scotland want to play at a World Cup. I hope that the emotion around it, it should be, of course, acknowledged, but then I hope the game isn't affected by it without it sounding, unless that doesn't sound cold. We um add anything because that sounded perfectly worded. <laughs> okay, and I think I think hopefully it's just two teams that try their hardest to get to the World Cup and the best team wins, right? But I think it's just nice that Ukraine are going to have their chance. It's going to be at Hampden Park. The winner obviously goes on to play Wales in the final. The winner of that then goes on to face England, Iran, and USA. I think it's just nice to have a date settled and Ukraine have their chance to make it to the World Cup. If Ukraine make it to the World Cup, that's a crazy story. Like That would be insane. It is a crazy story. Good luck to both the Scots and the Ukrainians. And uh, Rory, if you haven't got any other news, I've got one to make our friends happy over in the United States. The Minnesota Timberwolves basketball team from Minneapolis MN have finally made it to the playoffs. And it's looking like this could be the year to get all the way to a conference final. The big rival in that bracket is, of course, John Morant's Memphis. But we shall see. Go Wolves. Keep howling, I guess. It's pretty exciting. NBA I can playoffs. imagine the American fans actually howl as well. I can imagine they actually howl. Games, <laughs> yeah, no, right? yeah. There, there is <laughs> yeah. the the howlometer. I've, I've been... Oh, like, Christ alive. <laughs> yes, the howlometer. <laughs> me, and my, me and my friends had a thing on when um, America were drawn in the same group as um, England. We just spent like hours sending on our WhatsApp chat just videos of like the cringiest American football chants because we would just spend the entire... The one of like, I, I believe, I believe we, I believe we will win is the cringiest thing I've ever seen in my life. So I can imagine... I can imagine just how bad it is. <laughs> Quite possibly. And uh, if we've got nothing to add, it's now time to jump to Serie A. And Rory, I don't know if you've heard the news, but Serie A is over, officially. Torino have won it. But of course, I'm not talking Juve about... Juve fans are going to be fuming. I'm not talking about the real Serie A. It was the second official Serie A FIFA, the video game championship, and Torino have I won like it. How you had to say the video game. No, the, no because it's Serie For the A kids, FIFA. the video game. No, but like the, if you say FIFA, it sounds like, you know, the, the yeah, football yeah, yeah. Uh, association. But they've won it. And last year, I absolutely ignored this. The winners were Benevento. So beautiful to see that the whipping boys of last season actually won the <laughs> FIFA title. And this year, Torino fans have got something to celebrate as well. Now, I would like to start our Serie A preview for the weekend. It's going to be a weird weekend because, you know, our country is very religious. We are not playing on Sunday. So the games are going to be on Friday, Saturday, and Monday. Of course, it's kicking off on Friday with Spezia Inter at 7 p.m. and AC Milan Genoa at 9 p.m. I would like to start with a very interesting article that, guess, guess, where I read this article, it was on Rivista Contrasti. I feel like we need to approach them for a sponsorship <laughs> at this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but they're a great online magazine about football, and I agree with their point that they made that said there is no powerhouse in Serie A this season, and that's no. evident. It's apparent. But... It's also funny because the three top teams um, keep slipping. And so they try to analyze why. And the bottom line in this article that I thoroughly appreciated was that AC Milan are unfit technically. If we see mm -hmm. how little they've been scoring recently, I think we can all agree with that. 
Inter Milan, after the Conte era, were unconfidence the entire time. Right now, they seem unfit character-wise. They don't seem to have the power to just like close up the game and just win it and just keep moving forward. They had a very good run, but right now it feels like the fatigue is catching up with them, also mentally. And finally, Napoli are the ones that on paper and looking at how they've been playing, they could be the favorites, but they are unfit historically. What we know is that this Serie A is very exciting. Alberto Gilardino even today said on uh, Italian news, he said that he doesn't remember any Serie A being as exciting as this one. Ladies and gentlemen, if you haven't been following the Italian league, this is the time. It's going to be intense until the end of the season. Rory, I see you were doing a weird face while looking at the at the phone. What game? I think do West Ham have, have just gone three 0 up. <laughs> Jared Bowen's just scored. I think that's put them. Unless that's a replay, I'm just double checking. It's a great goal. Really, really, really terrible defending from Leon, but. Yeah, West Ham are three up. It's now four one in the tie. Oh God, Tom! I wish I was with you, mate. The beer would be flying absolutely everywhere. He said he was in the centre of Leon, and it was like this really beautiful French city. Then all of a sudden, you just heard, "Come on, you irons!" And just loads of East Londoners walking down the road. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, going back to Serie A, on Friday, it all kicks off at 7pm, as I said, between Spezia and Inter Milan. Spezia, they are not quite on the beach yet, but definitely they've had a pretty good run of fixtures. They are now uh, 11 points ahead of Venezia with another few points. They could secure their Serie A for next season as well. Inter Milan, it goes without saying, another game not to fail because... It should be all wins between now and the end of the season. Don't Similar jinx it, to Tommy, don't jinx it. it. Should, don't no, jinx I, it. it has to be. I want to mean that. <laughs> Not it should be. It okay. has to be. Also for AC Milan, if they want to win the title, mm-hmm. it has to be all wins. What better place to start than at home versus Genoa? Now, similar games for Inter and AC Milan. Genoa have lost their last two fixtures against Verona and Lazio. AC Milan, however, have drawn their last two Serie A games nil-nil. In the previous three games, they won by only one goal. All the games they won were one nil. And before that, they drew 1-1 to Udinese. So AC Milan cannot score more than one goal per game. Genoa... I've got a feeling about that Genoa game. I think Genoa might... Uh, I'm going to say Genoa might get a win, you know. Genoa Genoa are still there, man. Genoa, they could still be saved. Uh, They need to get points, though. And I don't know. They need them. They definitely definitely need them. On Saturday, we've got Cagliari Sassuolo at 12.30 p.m., Cagliari still fighting for relegation. Sassuolo definitely on the beach. Then we've got Sampdoria-Salernitana, a very important game for both at 2.30 p.m. And simultaneously, we've got Udinese versus Empoli. Empoli, we said it, they had a great first half of the season and then they haven't won a game since, I believe, December. At 4.30, we've got Fiorentina-Venezia. Fiorentina are keeping their eyes on the European spots. Mm -hmm. And then at 6.30, Juventus-Bologna. And at 8.45, Lazio-Torino. We take a break on Easter Day to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord, JC. And we come back on Monday night with a pretty big game at 7 p.m. Napoli versus Roma. 
Now, Roma, they want their European spot. Napoli, they want the title. They have just slipped against the Fiorentina. This is their opportunity to stay in the race for the Scudetto. And it all wraps up at 9 p.m. with Atalanta and Las Verona. Talking about Atalanta, we know, because it's 10 as we are recording, that Atalanta have lost 2-0 against RB Leipzig. Not the rosiest end of the season. Also because they will miss out on Champions League. They might miss out on... Uh, mm-hmm. on uh, they're definitely going to miss out on the Champions League. And so this was their ticket uh, to the Champions League next season, winning the Europa League. What do you think is 2021-2022 Atlanta season? It's been massively disappointing. I feel like they had quite a good start to the season and they've massively dropped off. I feel like some of the signings like... Borga I was really excited about, and I feel like he's not been that impressive since he got there. I feel like they've had a lot of injuries. Obviously, Zapata and Muriel have been out kind of for spells throughout the season. So I feel like it's just been, it's just the the season's just kind of petered out. It's just slowly got more and more disappointing. For them to lose this against RB Leipzig, it was always a possibility. Like Leipzig are a decent side, but it feels like they've just kind of, yeah, whimpered out. Of course, and Kunku got two goals because who else scores for Leipzig except Christopher and Kunku? But I feel like for Atalanta, maybe do you think that Gasparini maybe is being found out? I don't know. Gasparini has done something incredible at Atalanta, but it's not only Gasparini. Like the whole club works perfectly. Um, mm. They they've really established their system, and there are foreign clubs looking at how Atalanta went yeah. from being always on the brink of relegation to being one of the top teams in Italy. Um, I don't know about Gasperini. Gasperini, I think he's ready, I don't know if in now or in a few years, but to take on a bigger job and make his name uh, make his Because he tried there. at Inter and it didn't work, right? He tried at Inter and it was terrifying. I've That's the worst football I've ever seen <laughs> play at Inter Milan. I think he wasn't fit to coach such a big team. If I have to say which team, which big team he might coach in the future, I think it would be Juventus. That's where he started from as assistant Ooh. manager. There's and, no way uh, Juventus are going to deal with his lack of defending, surely. I have no idea. But maybe in the future that could happen. I know I follow a few Atalanta pages from our, uh, Instag- from our pod's Instagram, um, and uh, they're all pretty disappointed. But what they keep saying is like, Whoever is lagging off Atalanta, all the Atalanta fans that are lagging off the team right now, they have a very short memory because yeah. up to seven years ago, we were light years from where we are now. Yeah, and how could, you not, how could you not agree? So one off season after, you know, Champions League antics, mm-hmm. semifinals versus PSG and all that, it's also understandable. That's Hopefully fair. next season they will be better. I hope not. Because hopefully for you fans, uh, for me, I really dislike uh, Atalanta as a team. But I reckon that what they've done over the past years is insane. Rory, I give it to you to go to England. So England, we've got FA Cup semi-final weekend. Two massive, massive games. So on Saturday, it kicks off at half past four Central European time as Man City take on Liverpool after that incredible game in the Premier League, which was honestly just such an amazing, amazing game. Like, so many of those games between the top two teams become so disappointing. And like, Tommy, you kind of mentioned it to me. We saw Inter versus Juve. It was the poster game of Serie A, and it was massively disappointing. And this City-Liverpool game just did not disappoint in any way. Um 
a draw in the end, but either team could have won it. I think Liverpool got lucky with quite a few decisions, but it was a draw in the end. It was a great game. The thing that City should be worried about is the fact that they've had a very, very taxing game against Atletico, where as Liverpool got to rest players and still got through against Benfica, but massive FA Cup semi-final, like huge, huge. You know what's going to happen. Hopefully it's a replay of the previous game, um, hopefully. Yeah, no, the, um, the I, I got to watch extended highlights for that game. And uh, in the end, it took me like one hour because there were so <laughs> many plays that I had to rewatch twice. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, the the opposite of what Juventus Inter was. And uh, it was honestly like anybody who doesn't like football, they would show you the Juventus Inter game to give you all the reasons why they don't yeah. like it. And a football fan like myself would show you the Liverpool City game to show you how great of a sport it is yeah. and uh, how many how in how many different ways you can find the goal like mm-hmm. i think they there were so many shots there were so many good plays so much creativity so many world class players all sharing the same pitch it was really a spectacle for the sport of football well, they did, definitely, definitely. And it felt like the two best teams in the world playing against each other, really. That's what it felt like. Um, so hopefully, a re- yeah, hopefully a repeat on Saturday, hopefully. Um, and then on Sunday, we have Chelsea taking on Crystal Palace. Now, it's kind of interesting this because Crystal Palace, one of their greatest or one of their best players this season has been Conor Gallagher. This kicks off on Sunday at half past five. And Chelsea have refused his permission to play the game because he's on loan from Chelsea. They've said he's not allowed to. Now, obviously for Palace, this is going to be a huge miss. The way that Conor Gallagher plays, absolutely like non-stop press, just never stops running, so dynamic and like a great, great player. I think Crystal Palace are going to miss him. But what I found more interesting was like for him, are you going to now... Like, what do you think, Tommy? Would you look at your parent club now and be like, oh, fuck you guys. You've taken away, taken away my opportunity to play one of the biggest games in Crystal Palace's history. Like, Crystal Palace have never won a major trophy, right? They've got to an FA Cup final, but they very rarely get to semifinals, finals. This is a huge game for them. And his club have now said, you're not allowed to play. Like, I feel like maybe he could harbor a little bit of a like, oh, you know what? Maybe I will leave in the summer. Like... I, I think knowing myself, I would be just like, you know what, guys? Fuck you. Like, this is unfair. Um, what, what is your take? I, it's a difficult one. It doesn't, I, I don't, I was trying to think of similar situations, but yeah. none really comes to my mind. Or is it a compliment that they're like, oh, they really rate me because they definitely don't want me in the team against them? So it can, it can be taken like two ways. I think he probably, like, would he have expected it? No, but he knew it was a possibility. But I just feel like maybe, because there's been a lot of talk about could could Palace sign him in the summer? The Palace players have been, like, pretty open with being like, Connor, you need, like, Connor, you need to join us. You need to join us. You need to join us. Um, so I think maybe it could be a deciding factor. But the game, um, Chelsea, very, very good against Real Madrid. Again, we're going to talk about it. Um, but ultimately, disappointing. Um, they couldn't see it out. Their form has been waver- like wavering a little bit. Um, and Palace are going to be bang up for this. I'm going to stick with my Dark Horses Palace shout. I'm going to say they get through this. We will see. Man, I was just realizing that there are shit ton of games in London this weekend. Um, yeah. It's going to be exciting. Tottenham are playing at home. Chelsea are playing the semifinal in London. God, the level of organization that it takes to a city to have that many games. Like in Man, Saturday and Sunday are both in both at Wembley. Like yeah, the, it, 
Yeah, wow, yeah, yeah. All right. All right. Shit, man. Exciting. Exciting. There's going to be football fans fucking everywhere, Tommy. You're not going to be able to move. Hopefully, maybe you'll see someone with a flare up their ass if you're lucky. <laughs> I can't wait to sit at a pub. Just a quick story, guys. Um, when I went to Liverpool, uh, we walked uh, our friend's cousin. She's from Coventry. She was showing us around. At 4 p.m., we walk inside a pub, and there are screens everywhere, like five Premier League games, five championship games, girls everywhere, booze flowing. And Kate turns around, and uh, she doesn't know me very well. She looks at me, and she's like, Tommy, if you don't like this place, you know, we can we can find a new one. And I was just like, wait, what, what do you see wrong with this place? Like, and the screens to watch football, beer on deck, girls everywhere. What's better than this? This might, I hope that if heaven exists, it's very similar to an English pub Jesus. in the afternoon of a Saturday. It would be oh, yeah, in the yes. summer. Yeah, you in can't the summer. beat an English summer pub. You cannot beat an English summer pub. I'm very, very excited. But sorry, let's go back to the FA Cup semifinals. So, yeah, the FA Cup semifinals, as again, as I said, Man, Man City versus Liverpool on Saturday, Chelsea versus Palace on Sunday. Then we have some Premier League action as well. It kicks off on Saturday early. We have Tottenham taking on Brighton. Brighton, fresh from getting their first goals in six games and their first win in about 10 years against Arsenal away because. Of course that happened. Um, Tottenham in great form. <sighs> Just fuck off. Um, then we have, in the three o'clock kickoffs on Saturday, we have Manchester United taking on Norwich City. There are protests uh, planned at Old Trafford by the Man United fans. It feels like, you know how people complain about Christmas comes earlier every year. It feels like the Manchester United protests come earlier every year. Um the owners have now announced that they're going to refurbish the stadium. They've picked the same architect as the people who just who designed the toilet bowl at Tottenham. So that'll be interesting to see what they do at Old Trafford. But there are protests planned. At the same time, we also have Watford versus Brentford in a kind of big relegation battle. Although I think how the relegation games have gone recently, I think maybe the three at the bottom are the three that are going to go down. Um then we also have Southampton taking on Arsenal. <sighs> Fuck's sake. Arteta's, Arteta's gamble didn't work. He took a massive risk with a tiny squad and it's backfired hugely. Party is injured, Tierney's injured, and everything has turned to dust. Now, I'm not going to single them out, but we're two fans who wondered whether you didn't come on... We cancelled the Monday episode because you didn't want to talk about Arsenal. So, Rory, prove them wrong and show that you're able to talk about the defeat against Brighton. What the fuck happened? Man? We were shit. We were shit in both games. Crystal Palace, we refused to... We just didn't turn up and Palace were bang up for it. They scored two goals. We started playing in the second half. We were terrible. The game against Brighton, Arteta got it wrong completely. Like, Tierney's injured. He didn't trust Tavares. He put Xhaka at left back. Xhaka missed the runner for the first goal. And we didn't start playing until the 90th minute. We finally decided to be like, holy shit, let's go, guys. Let's run. All we did was pass sidewards, barely pressed, no threat. Lacazette didn't touch the ball. He didn't have it. There was 10 players for Arsenal who took a shot. Our striker wasn't one of them. Lacazette was completely anonymous. We had nothing. We have... Like, Arteta, as I said, Arteta took a massive gamble with the squad size. He got rid of a lot of players in January. He thought he had enough to get us through. I think I said at the time, if we get some injuries, we're pretty screwed. We've got some injuries. 
and we're screwed. At this point now, I would think top four, we can still do it because we've got a game against Tottenham and in a derby, you never know what's going to happen. But I would now be concentrating on just getting Europa League because if we can't beat Palace and Brighton at home, we're in trouble. Like we've still got to play United, Tottenham and Chelsea. I refuse, and West Ham. I refuse to believe that we're going into the third season of the podcast without ever covering Arsenal in the Champions League. Go Gunners, goddammit. We need Arsenal and Inter in the same Champions League group, man. We need that Arsenal-Inter game. I need it. I need it. But I feel like it's a few years down the line. I think like Arteta, there has been many moments. I've always been like, I've never been Arteta in. I've never been Arteta out. It's just, let's see how he does. And I feel like this is another mistake for him. His squad planning has been fucking atrocious. We could really do with Ainsley Maitland-Niles now. We could really do with Balogun now. Like, a lot of the players he let go were like, we kind of felt like we were going to need him. Lacazette isn't that guy, isn't that guy. So we've now drafted in players from the under-21s. They've started started training with with the full squad, being like, okay, can we get... Is are any of you ready? <laughs> um, it's all it's it's turned sour pretty quickly. The problem is is that the Palace and Brighton games were the games where I thought, okay, let's get these points, then we can move on. Our fixtures get harder now. Um, the only the only ray of hope is that Tottenham do always manage to bottle it, no matter how good a position they are in, they will slip up. So we've always got that hope. Fingers crossed, of course, we are extremely biased in this podcast. Fingers crossed for the red and white to access the Champions League again. Come on, come on, come on. I really want it. I really, really want it. Then how, on how Sunday... How bad do you want it, Rory? How bad do you want it? Like, oh, so bad. Um, then on <laughs> Sunday, we have Newcastle taking on Leicester at quarter past three and West Ham taking on Burnley in the Battle of the Clarets. For some reason, they put both those games on at the same time on a Sunday. Who are these people? Some people want to watch more than one game. Not all of us like our family on Easter. Some of us want to just fill it with football. In Italy, uh, we say <laughs> Natale con i tuoi e Pasqua con chi vuoi. Uh, Christmas with your family and Easter with whoever you like. With who you want. I like that. I like that. So that is the Premier League action. Um, then it all kicks off again. But we're probably going to talk about Oh, no, we're not. We're not on Monday. Then on Tuesday, we have Liverpool against United. Holy shit. Um, United, after losing to Everton, the only thing that made me feel good last weekend was the fact that Everton, the Everton beat United. I was like, okay, well, at least, you know, at least we're not United. Um, they now have to take on Liverpool. We'll see how that goes. I think I might have a good idea how that game's going to go. All right. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, we're not going to be there on Monday night as I will be flying back from my weekend in London and it's the day after Easter and Rory will be probably decomposing on the couch, I imagine. I know, you'll I'll be, be in Florence. Florence. You'll I'll be, be in Florence. Florence. There you go. There you go. I'll be go. doing some, some Assassin's Creed shit, doing front flips through the center of Florence <laughs> and climbing up walls. Yeah, yeah. The amount of people that mention Assassin's Creed when Man, I, I was obsessed with that game, you know. I fucking love that game. I've never, I've never had a video oh. game console, but I used to go to Michael's house to watch him play Assassin's Creed because it was so just good. sick to what just watch game. it. That and Red Dead Redemption, great video games to watch (laughs) as an impartial party at a house party, I guess. And if we're ready, it's time to jump to our weekly topic. We are going to cover this week's madness in the Champions League, the Guinness World Record 
tweeting that the UCL might as well be the greatest sports competition ever conceived by mankind. Well, you know that here at the Angry Italian Pod, we thoroughly agree. We're going to review the match, but especially to preview the semifinals. Let's do it. Let's go. It all started on Tuesday with the biggest of upsets signed by Unai Emery. Villarreal away at Bayern Munich, drawing 1-1 and punching their ticket for the semifinals. Chelsea won. However, that wasn't enough. At the Wednesday, we had a very nervy nil-nil between Atletico Madrid and Man City. And a very unexpected 3-3 draw between Liverpool and Benfica. Let's start from Tuesday. Rory, then Arsenal was the problem for Unai Emery. It was the problem all along. It turns out our squad was a complete mess. If they'd have just listened to Unai, maybe we might have achieved something. Now look. Unai in cup competitions needs to be discussed, right? This guy is absolutely smashing it in the Europa League, has smashed it in the Europa League, and is now, he's now in the last year, he's beaten Arsenal, he's beaten Manchester United, he's beaten Bayern Munich, he's beaten Juventus. Like, he is taking down big, big names, big teams, and the way he, I think how this is working is the fact that when he was at Arsenal, the players didn't really buy in to the fact that he is so heavy on like video and like he plays depending on who they're playing. Whereas the Arsenal players, and I think the Arsenal board, wanted teams to adapt to us, right? But what he's got at Villarreal is players who are just buying into the system. And for as far as managers preparing for opponents, he might be one of the best in the world. Like in the fact that he can just prepare how to beat people. Um, and especially 100%. in cup competitions where you got a little bit more time, more time to prepare. You've got a few weeks to research, whatever it is, the gaps in between. He has a bit more time, I think, but it really is his strength. A hat-trick of Europa Leagues with Sevilla between 2014 and 2016, then a five-year gap, then a 2021 Europa League uh, victory with Villarreal, and now, after eliminating Juventus and Pierre Munich, he's going to play a Champions League semi-final. We're going to get there. But uh, let's say that Villarreal fans don't have fond memories of UCL semi-finals against English teams. We're going to get there. We're going to get there, Rory. Don't worry. Don't, don't sing already. It was uh, 16 years ago, right? 16 years ago. Very long oh, time God, ago. Jesus Christ. But, I was still at high school. But so, 1-1... Anyway. With Lewandowski, and I would like to send an email to Rulli, the goalkeeper from Villarreal, who is a very good goalkeeper. I don't understand what the fuck he was doing so far out from the line at the very edge of the box. It was a very avoidable goal, I want to say. This is is that the goalkeeper who played for Spain at the Euros? No, that's a different keeper, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I believe it is. Let me double check. I, I think but it is. Going... He made if it's. If that's him, I think he made a mistake at the Euros as well. I'm not sure if that's him. But, um, yeah, terrible, terrible goalkeeping. But the Chukwese goal, Chukwese is how you say it, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely fantastic goal. Um, and Villarreal, like, as we said, they just prepare for the game so well. And Bayern, at the back, they are not, like, they're defensively, they are not great. And it says a lot about the Bundesliga that they are just running away with it. But 
Um, I've never been convinced by Upamecano. Every time I've seen him, he's been massively disappointing. And I feel like Emery knew that they would get chances. And as long as they took those chances, they'd be fine. Like he knew that defensively Bayern aren't that strong. For them, it's like there's going to be a huge review now of, 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 their, of their team, of their transfer policy, because they expect to win the Bundesliga. They do win the Bundesliga. For them, it's almost like Juventus, I suppose, except Bayern actually win the Champions League. Like, they expect <laughs> the Scudetto. They only care about the Champions League. So I feel like now there's going to be a huge review, and especially of Nagelsmann as well. Like, there's going to be a look at him and be like, okay, he's a young, relatively inexperienced coach. Like, he's going to learn a lot more. But is there something here that needs looking at? Absolutely. I just wanted to clarify the goalkeeper situation. Rulli, I remembered correctly, he's Argentinian, actually. Oh, and the Spanish goalkeeper at the Euros was Simon from Athletic Club. Okay, I'm just getting them confused. My bad. Look, Bayern Munich is a team that I, sometimes I think they're like, they auto-manage themselves. I'm like, mm-hmm. any manager could go there and win easily. Uh, turns out they are not. And this might as well be the end of the cycle. Uh, Müller is on his very last years. Neuer is on his very last years. It feels like they haven't done that. They haven't really regenerated the team. And now there are big talks, even confirmed, about Lewandowski moving to Barcelona next season. Uh, And so they need to come in quick with a new striker who could be as prolific as Robert, which is difficult to find. So definitely they need to sit down and think... Seeing how things unfolded at Barcelona, we were just like, ah, they're done for like five years. Barcelona are going to be a mid-table team. Well, uh, right now they're getting battered at home from Frankfurt as we are following (laughs) live. You will know the final result by the time you're listening to this. They managed to recover pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. I don't think the situation at Bayern is that terrible, but I did not see them getting out of the Champions League in the quarterfinals against Villarreal. Yeah, it's a huge, huge, huge disappointment for them. But again, yeah, massive, like Villarreal, a town of 50,000 people. Like, it is absolutely tiny. And this is their second Champions League semi-final. It is insane. This club continues, continues to overachieve, I suppose. Um, But yeah, for Bayern Munich, there's going to be a huge, huge review. Do you remember that penalty miss by Riquelme in the second oh, I remember of the layman save, you mean? The layman <laughs> yeah. save. Yes, that's exactly I re- what I remember. I remember that Riquelme was so disappointed that he didn't even run to get the rebound. He was just like, fuck, this was our opportunity. <laughs> that was like uh, the last minute as well. I remember being so yeah. nervous for that penalty. Oh, my God. And we'd and, still not conceded a goal in the Champions League that year. It was insane. And since history time is a flat circle and the history tends to repeat itself, where did they play the final that year, Rory? Do you remember? In Paris. Paris. Yeah, okay. it was in Paris. So VRL fans looking at these numbers and being like, God damn it. But I still think that they have a chance. And if you want to place a little bet on Villarreal, huh, I think it could pay off. I was looking. I was looking. It's only 16 to 1. I was expecting it to be a little bit longer odds, but still worth a punt, I think. Still yeah. worth a punt. The other game, absolute madness at the Santiago oh. Bernabeu's, Bernabeu between Real Madrid and Chelsea. I had to watch on Tuesdays. I'm always busy. I had to watch the extended highlights. Rory, I know you watched the game live. Fucking madness, right? 
Mate, like, Real Madrid just did not turn up. Their midfield was absolutely woeful. Kroos was just getting overrun. And the game really did change on the Kroos substitution. When Kroos came off and Kamavinga came on, the whole game changed. You have to say credit to Chelsea. They knew the mission and they got it done. Like, they absolutely smashed Real Madrid. were all over them. It looked like it was going to be... Bernabeu, the home of the bottlers, like PSG bottle it there, then Real Madrid bottle it there. But Ancelotti really did see it. And he was like, no, we need more. We need more like athleticism in midfield. We need more energy. We need someone that can allow Modric to do what he does. And I think like, I don't want to dismiss Camavinga with just saying he's like a physical fast player. He is an incredible, incredible player. I think he's going to be a signing that in the years to come, we're going to be like, wow, Real Madrid got him cheap. And they got him like really quickly. Nobody else went. It was just like, boom, they got him. He is an incredible player. But the moment of the game, that Modric assist, I have honestly, I've got a gif of it. Thank you, Uncle Sharma. I have a gif of it on my phone. I saved it to my phone. And I just honestly watched it like 20 times in a row. I was like, that is one of the most beautiful passes I've ever seen in my life. Not only the idea to do it, but the ability with the outside of your foot to put it exactly on Rodrigo's foot. That is one of the best passes I have ever seen. It's incredible. And it completely changed the game. And Real Madrid just got the job done. And he knows exactly what he's doing. I think I've said, I said Bayern and now they've been dumped out, but I feel like there's a real inevitability about this Real Madrid team. They just, they seem like they're going to get it. And I think my bold prediction is going to be, here we go, Liverpool-Real final. Alisson makes a mistake and Real Madrid win the final. Also, Can you imagine seen, the scenes? Have Can you, you imagine the scenes? Thinking about Alisson making a mistake, I cannot not think about Karius. Have no, exactly. Looked, Can you imagine? You looked, Liverpool you the... finally get the chance for revenge and then Alisson makes a mistake. <laughs> have, you seen, have you seen the how jacked Karius has become? He's fucking huge now, eh? <laughs> Dude, and they still have their contract with Liverpool. It's fucking crazy. It was um, like that picture. Do you remember when there was that picture of Torres that came up and all of a sudden he was fucking huge when yeah, he was a yeah, coach? Yeah, yeah. You're like, well, what yeah, the it was fuck? a post the other day on Instagram. <laughs> which player would you would you least want to fight? It was Adama Traore, Fernando Torres, Loris Carius, and so on. But Rory, I wanted to ask you, um, besides the beautiful goals, the one by Werner, Ronaldo Nazario vibes, that was incredible. But I wanted to ask you, do you think that the Marcos Alonso goal should have been ruled out. I think it was a handball. I think, honestly, I think he, under the modern rules, it's a handball, right? It touches his leg first, but I think you can definitely say he gets an advantage from the ball yeah. touching his hand. It helps him control it. You can say it touches his leg first or it shouldn't count, but it helped him continue the run and then get, I think it was fairly black and white. I was surprised people complained about it. Really. Yeah, no, upon re- it's very harsh. It's just fucking sad. Like, it didn't, it wasn't intentional, but it, what a sick goal came out of that. But upon mm-hmm. reviewing it on the screen, there is a hand touch in the box. That's not a goal. And the Anything bad that happens to Marcus Alonso, I'm pretty happy about this. Well. Really? Why? You don't like Marcus? Um, I, I, we're not going to discuss it on the pod, but just look into the guy's history. He did some dark shit. All right, all right. I used to have him in fantasy football when he was at Fiorentina, and he used to score some sick free kicks. Um, and also, I want to give some credit to Rodrigo for putting in that beautiful mm-hmm. cross by Modric. It was a great goal, still. It was, like, a, yeah, it was a great yeah, goal. Yeah. Like, let's give the guy some credit. And finally, 
who has to come to the rescue? If not, Mr. Karim Benzema. Dude, when he scored the goal, I felt like he just, yeah, dude, he was just like, yeah, I keep doing the same shit. I keep doing the same shit. I'm the fucking king. Really, really putting his name on the list for the Ballon d'Or winner. And it was just the moment where I think on our group chat with the Hopeless Wanderer pod, we were discussing, I was like, Man, Benzema has been anonymous tonight. Like, he's barely touched it. And of course he was going to score. Of course he was going to score. And the last thing that I wanted to say, Antonio Rudiger, I remember him at Roma. How that guy has improved over the last few years at Chelsea is insane. There are rumors of him going to Juventus. God damn it. No, we don't need that. You, you don't agree? Obviously, he's obviously unbelievable, right? He's but I feel like... Tank, he man. Tr- he treads the line between world class and absolute calamity Ooh. really well. I feel like he's never that far away from making a mistake or just doing something a bit mad. Like, but he's one of the best centre backs in the world. But I always feel like there's something about the way he plays where I'm like, he could do something completely ridiculous here. And like there was a few moments in the Real Madrid game where I was like, ah, oh, you're just he gets a bit hot-headed. He he loses his shit every so often. Oh my man, you just he treads that line really, really well. But I feel like there's a meltdown at some point coming. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't I still don't want to see him at Juventus regardless. We move on to Wednesday, Atletico Madrid, Man City, nil-nil. I will let you go with your opinion soon, but first I just wanted to say that this game to me proves exactly the opposite of what many fans have been saying about Simeone. This guy plays anti-football. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. This guy understands football very well. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah, knew yeah, that yeah. by going to the Etihad, there was no way on earth that his team with that set of players could cause any type of threat to mm-hmm. Man City and they had to defend. They took them to their own home ground. And if they had won that game 2-0 without discrediting Man City, it wouldn't have been an unfair result, yeah. in my opinion. Props to Man City, props to Guardiola. I think Guardiola did great in that game. You could sense his nervousness. He was just like, yeah, yeah. The I second half, it. especially. Second yeah. half, especially. He, he was, I, I could, like, if I could read his thoughts, I just want to think that they were just <laughs> like, it. Yeah, it yeah. was just like, God damn it. All right, 90 minutes of my life. It's going to be over soon. I hate this stadium. I hate their style of playing. I hate everything about it. Just focus on your job. It's going to be over at some point. We're going to make it. I don't know how excited he is to go back to Madrid now for the semifinals. <laughs> yeah. But that's another story. Uh, and also another thing about the, the the stadium, the atmosphere was insane. And I don't I don't think there is any team in the world that has like the team and the crowd, they move together. Yeah. They have the mm-hmm. same goals in mind, they have the same mentality, they back the team no matter what they do. The atmosphere was insane. It's in my opinion, it's sad to see them go, but I do believe that Manchester City were the better the better team across the two legs, so they deserve to be in the semifinals. Oh, yeah, they definitely deserved it, definitely deserved it. But I think, yeah, I, there was a lot of people like, I feel like in the UK, and people who listen to this who aren't from the UK will probably go, well, yeah, of course, but a lot of the coverage is quite patronizing and quite condescending towards Atletico, and a lot of it was like, having to go at them for their antics for their you know shit housing for their style of football but i don't get why simeone is expected to just turn up to the etihad and accept a spanking like of course he's going to do everything in his power to get his team through i think there is a place in football for the style of um for that kind of shit housing and for that 
defensive, the art of defending. There's a space for that in football. Um, and you're right, in the second leg, they really did show that they can play fantastic, fantastic football. They have great footballers. Um, they arguably should have had a penalty. I think City got very, very lucky with that. Um, Guardiola said towards the end that they forgot to play second half. And then I can't believe we've gone this long without talking about the absolute scenes at the end between Savage and Jack Grealish. Jack Grealish is a snide prick. Everybody knows he's a snide prick. He runs off the bench. I think, like, the funny thing is, Foden, he does an Atletico trick, right? He's injured. He's off the pitch. He rolls back onto the pitch, right? Which mm-hmm. is a massive Atletico trick, right? So I'm all for that, right? Foden giving Atletico a taste of their own medicine. Yeah, good, great. But then the English press don't mention that, but they have a go at Atletico for, for doing those things, right? But because it's Foden, we just ignore that, right? Mm-hmm. Then they have a go at Savage for pulling Grealish's hair, which obviously is just a bit of a bitch move. It's just, I mean, right. what are you can, doing? Can I say something right? about that? But Since we, Grealish we mentioned... has run the length of the pitch to call you a cunt. So, yeah. like, <laughs> I would be, you know, maybe not pulling his hair, but, like, I don't know. And the Felipe tackle that led all, that led that kicked this all off was a bad tackle. It was a bad tackle. Kyle Walker could have a serious injury. There were some bad tackles in this game. Um, but I feel like the way the British or the English, no, I'm not British. I'm going to say English because the Scottish and Welsh will not <laughs> thank me for including them in it. The way the English press covered this game and games across Europe in general, is pretty fucking irritating. It's just very holier than thou. And it does annoy me. And also, I love the shit Hauser in the first leg when they started pulling Jack Grealish's hair. And I, it's look, I, we mentioned basketball earlier. I do love basketball. I don't follow it as much as football, clearly. But the trash talking in the NBA mm. it goes to levels that you would not imagine. And yeah, look, yeah. if like it's part like these players are like competing at top world football. If you have something to say to somebody to just like you know set them off, fucking say it. If it's not racist if it's not an insult to somebody's family like just fucking go for it you know like you're pulling the guy's hair the guy's making millions with gucci like yeah and one other thing i want to say i've got a lot of time for zinchenko um, Mm -hmm. from manchester city he was on the bench and he tried to calm the situation down right when that shit started kicking off there was also a funny bit during the warm-up to the game um the italian uh woman who was covering from the sideline uh, she looked in complete darkness um, and they asked her, what's what's going on with the lights? And she's like, well, they were warming up and the, the, the tripod that, that we had with the light fell down. And so right now we have it like that. And Zinchenko comes to her and she's like, hey, it was Grealish who like made it fall down. He hit it. You should ask him for money. He's fucking rich. And she was just <laughs> like, all right, thank you very much. And then he, he proceeds to just run off laughing at Grealish. And that I thought was it, was, it was a great bit. Great, great bit to see. Well, I, was, I, it was, I think it was a really intriguing tie. We know that like Simeone and Guardiola hate each other. And I love that like that was kind of, re, it was reincarnated on the pitch. It all kicked off in the tunnel afterwards. City players could be punished. Um, UEFA are going to look into it. 
Um, there was quite a funny, I think it was the psycho um, who tried to headbutt someone from like 10 foot away in an <laughs> ultimate kind of like, you know, when like your mates trying to like kick off at someone, he's like, hold me back, hold me back. I'm going to hit him, but he doesn't actually want you to let him go. Um, it was a massive kind of that vibe, but he tried to like Bluetooth a header to someone, which was quite impressive. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bluetoothing a header. I kind of like that. <laughs> Bluetooth a header into somebody. And the final game of the quarterfinals was Liverpool 3, Benfica 3. Of course, Liverpool weren't playing with all of their starters, but I have to say it, Liverpool are flirting a lot yeah. with danger. Mm -hmm. Maybe too much. And uh, they have a tricky opponent in the semifinals. And I want to say that for Villarreal, this is the best of the other three opponents that they could face in the Champions League semifinal. They concede goals. We've talked about how they play very often only 20 out of the 90 minutes. And if there is a team that seems to be capable of making the most out of the time that you're not playing is Villarreal. Yeah. So I think Liverpool should be careful. And this game, um, I really did not expect such a score. And the Liverpool's defense looked woeful in the majority mm -hmm. of the Benfica goals. Um, another goal by Konate, of course. The two, the two fullbacks were Gomez and the Tsimikas who are not usually starters. However, Tsimikas had the two assists. Um, but I want to say that they, they need to be careful, man. They need to yeah. be very careful going into the semifinals. I've already seen Liverpool fans online saying, okay, it's an easy run to the final now. Let's go. And it's like, oh, Really no, it's not. Have you not just seen who Villarreal have knocked out? Like, I would be taking a long, hard look in the mirror before I'm starting to book my tickets to the final. Like, you know what I mean? Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a difficult one. We'll get onto it, but I think Emery's record against Klopp isn't great, but he has beaten him in a final, so who knows? And Rory, I have to say it, um, I would hate to be a Benfica fan because uh Darwin Nunez from Uruguay has he's shown gone. he's so gone he's so gone he's shown <laughs> i was i was looking at i was watching the game as a benfica fan i was just like stop oh, you're stop showing, playing so well stop playing <laughs> so well man he's got everything like if it wasn't for that becker uh save which was mm -hmm. incredible Unbelievable save. incredible save uh what a stretch like mm -hmm. what an incredible stretch he would have scored a great great champions league goal he still had one but i was very impressed with the way that Benfica played overall, and the player that I've got a lot of time for, Everton, another very oh, talented Brazilian. Genuinely exciting, exciting player. He was a player that Arsenal were linked with before he came to Benfica, but when he was at um, Gremio, I want to say. Um, really, really exciting player. But Darwin Nunez, I'm almost at that point now with the Benfica fans going, stop playing so well. <laughs> I want Arsenal to get you. <laughs> like It's already been... Um, he's been linked to Man City, but they want Haaland. He's been linked to United, but apparently he said he doesn't want to go to United. The teams that are after him are Arsenal, Tottenham, and West Ham. But West Ham had the chance to sign him in January and didn't spend the money. I feel like they could massively, massively regret that decision come June. Yeah, uh, 53 appearances and the 30 goals for Benfica. Please come to Arsenal. Please, please fucking come to Arsenal. Please. 10 appearances in the Champions League, six goals. These are some of the... Two, again, two of those against Barcelona, and one of them is fucking sick. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I said yeah. it earlier, this is, the, this is the guy. This is the guy. He's we will the see. Guy. We will see who snatches it, but it's about time to move on to the semifinals. Rory, I will go first. So mm -hmm. we decided to analyze the two different ties. 
I'm going for City, Real. Let's start with the history between these two teams, which is super even. They've met six times, two wins, uh, sorry, a win, draw, loss each. So it's absolutely fair. They met uh, in 15-16 in the semifinals. It ended nil-nil at City and Real Madrid won one nil over at Madrid. And they also met in 2012-2013 in the group stage of Champions League. Again, a draw at City, 1-1, and the Real Madrid win over at the Bernabeu. But let's talk about the two managers. Number one, we've got uh, coming from the corner, Carlo Ancelotti. Now, let this stat sink in. He's the first ever football manager to qualify for the semifinals of the Champions League in four different decades. In the 1990s with Juventus, in the 2000s with AC Milan, and in the 2010s and 2020s with Bayern Munich and Real Madrid. What an incredible manager. He's reached the semifinals eight times and he's won four of those times, so 50% record in semifinals. He's participated to 19 editions of the Champions League. This man knows the game, and he's won a total of three titles. On the other side, we've got Mr. Pardil, who holds the record for most Champions League semifinals reached by any manager in history with nine. He's won, however, in only three of those occasions, so a 33% win percentage in the Champions League semifinals. He's taken part to 13 editions of the Champions League, and he has got two titles. But let's take a look at the head-to-head between the two managers. And this one could sound a little bit mischieving uh, when you hear the stat at first. They've met six times, all right? They've met six times, and Guardiola has won four of those times versus Ancelotti. The total of goals is 12 to 7 in favor of Guardiola. However, when you break down, when you click on that hyperlink, you notice that the four games that Guardiola won against Ancelotti were Manchester City versus Everton. Oh, yeah, right. Carlo Ancelotti also moved Everton. Right. So three of those times were the Premier League and one in the FA Cup. So in the Premier League, they met in 2021, City 5, Everton 0. They met in the FA Cup in 2021, City 2, Everton 0. They met in the Premier League, the first leg in 21, with City winning 3-1 against Everton. And the first time that they met in the Premier League was in 2020, with City winning 2-1 versus Everton. But the two games that Ancelotti has won in his career against Guardiola were here, here, in the Champions League semifinals. When Bayern Munich played Real Madrid in 2014, of course, Pep Guardiola was managing Bayern uh, and uh, Carlo Ancelotti was managing Real Madrid. Bayern, Real Madrid won the first leg at home with a goal by a certain Karim Benzema that you might have heard of, and they won the return leg away from home at Munich, 4-0, with a brace by Ronaldo and a brace by Ramos. So if we look at this, it feels like Ancelotti is kind of the more experienced one in the Champions League, but I think that these two games are going to be incredible. Mad respect, I've heard in the past quotes about Ancelotti 
Guardiola, Guardiola, President Celotti, these are two of the best managers in the history of the game. It's going to be a clash between heavyweights. I'm expecting a lot of goals, but uh, the more I feel like the better tactical manager will win and Ancelotti knows. I think he doesn't he he doesn't do that classic Guardiola thing of overthinking. Mm-hmm. He knows exactly what he's doing. I don't know who's going to go through. I want to say Real Madrid and Real Madrid eventually win it all, but uh, Man City I think that they are matured enough to finally try and play a Champions League final and win it. We shall see. This was my breakdown between City and Real semifinals coming soon. Rory, what have you got with, with uh, for us in Liverpool, Benfica? Uh, sorry, Villarreal. So Unai Emery taking on Jurgen Klopp. Now, they've only faced each other five times. In that, Jurgen Klopp has won three times. They've drawn once and Emery has won once. Now, Liverpool and Villarreal. They've only ever faced each other twice in their history. It was in the 2016 Europa League semi-finals. Liverpool did get through, winning 4-0 on aggregate, but they would go on to meet Unai Emery in the final against Sevilla, where they would go 1-0 up, but ultimately lose 3-1, completing the three Europa League titles in three years that Unai Emery achieved at Sevilla. So, that is the one win that Emery has over Klopp. Um, Klopp beat Emery a lot whilst he was at Arsenal, which kind of makes sense, right? Um, He beat Arsenal 5-1, he beat them 3-1, and there was an absolutely mental 5-0 draw in the League Cup, um, which went to penalties. There was a Mustafi own goal. There was a Joe Willock banger, and there was a Divock Origi last-minute equaliser. It's got all the ingredients. Um, Arsenal will go on to lose 10-9 on penalties. So their head-to-head is fairly one-sided. Um, but Emery does have the win on the big stage. As far as this game is going to go, I think it's kind of interesting because, as we've said before, Liverpool are only ever going to play their way. That's what they do, right? They're going to play their, play their style. Villarreal are going to try and combat that style. I think Villarreal are very, very good at soaking up pressure. They're very good on the counter-attack. Liverpool do play a high line, a very, very high line. I think this game is going to be a lot closer than we think it's going to be. Um, For the Liverpool fans that are already booking their flights to wherever the final is, is it Paris? Yeah. Um, For them who are booking their own flights, I think you might want to hold off on that. I think Villarreal are really going to put up a fight here. Um, it's going to be a proper clash of styles. Like, yeah, Klopp doing what he wants and Emery doing his best to battle what Klopp wants. Um, but yeah, not much history between these two teams. Kind of strange. All the managers. By the way, I love the Champions League because there is always room for a fairy tale story and Villarreal yeah. is a bit of a fairy tale story this season. I really did love a quote by Klopp over the week when he said... I my objective at Liverpool wasn't to create create the best football team in the world, but to create a team, a football team able to play against each and every wow. of the best football teams in the world. I like uh, that. He said, and then he hinted, if you want to look at the best in the world, you should go look over at the blue side of Manchester. I like how he deflects the attention. Right, it's very, very, very clever. But I think the. Another deciding factor here is going to be the fact that um, Liverpool are involved in a title race. 
they could still be involved in the FA Cup, although that will just be the final if they get through. Um, Villarreal now, they can't really qualify for Europe within the La Liga. They're eight points behind Real Sociedad. They can put everything they can into this. Like, Liverpool, Liverpool will probably not be able to rest players. Villarreal will be able to rest players. They will be able to take their foot off the gas in La Liga a little bit because, as I said, the European spots are probably a little bit beyond them. So I think that could be a huge factor as well. Um, uh, yeah, we said Emery is so good at preparing for these cup ties. If you then give him the chance to rest players and prepare teams as well, I think there really could be a surprise here. But then we saw it with Atalanta. We saw it with Ajax, right? You get over two hurdles. The third one often is a step too far. But I'm pretty excited about this tie. I'm pretty excited. If Emery fucking wins it with Villarreal, I am gonna, like, I'm going to pull my hair out. I swear to God. Like, I just... Oh, God, if he does it, it would be... I've already seen so much revisionism on Twitter from Arsenal fans that are like, oh, maybe we should have kept Emery. No, it wasn't working. He's happy at Villarreal. Good. Ladies and gentlemen, we are done recording so late on this Thursday night. Fucking 11 o'clock at night. It's my bedtime, man. We've got the full picture of the Conference League semi-finals. So Leicester win 2-1 over PSV Eindhoven. Marseille win 1-0 over Pauk de Saloniki. Roma make it to the semifinals. They beat Bodo Glimt. They beat Bodo With a a hat-trick from Nicolò Zaniolo. What? And then Feyenoord winning quite comfortably away from home at the Slavia Prague. The semifinals. Sorry, sorry, did Reese Nelson score? Did Reese Nelson score? I need to check. Let me double check. Reese Nelson, Reese Nelson, Reese Nelson. No, he did not score. Oh, he's been killing it for them recently. Anyway, he's on loan from Arsenal. But uh, the, the Conference League semifinals are going to be Leicester City, Roma. And on the other side, we've got. Feyenoord, Marseille, four teams from four different countries taking on each other in the semifinals. We got City, Roma. That sounds. We've so got sick, England man. versus Italy and France versus um, and France versus the Netherlands, and we almost have the full picture of the semifinals of the Europa League because Rangers and Braga are going to overtime after a Rangers two one win. In uh, over the 90 minutes, but the other wins are from RB Leipzig 2 0 against Atalanta, Frankfurt, they win 3 2 against Barcelona. There were 11 minutes of stoppage <laughs> time conceded in which Barcelona scored two goals with Busquets and Depay after Frankfurt had gone up 3 0. West Ham win very comfortably over at Lyon with a 3 0 win. And we will find out the latest of the finalists. But so we've got West Ham Frankfurt, right? West Ham Frankfurt. So we've got West Ham Frankfurt on one side and Leipzig against either Rangers of Braga. Listeners, by the time you're listening to this, you will know the full picture. Rory, anything to say to our listeners before I send them off? Can West Ham do it? Can West Ham do it? I just want to see Mark Noble lift the Europa League. I just want to see him lift the Europa League. For him to lift a trophy with West Ham would be huge. I really hope he does it. I really also hope he does one it. of the coolest logos in world football. Super working class. Let's yeah, go yeah, 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 yeah. Let's go proper British style, industrial <laughs> revolution, British style. 
Guys, we can only wish you happy Easter and to our Muslim friends, a happy continuation of Ramadan. I believe it's almost over. Keep going. Uh, we're going to talk to you again next Friday as our Euro Review Monday night show is canceled for the upcoming week. Enjoy your Easter. Have fun. Relax. Enjoy your football. We are going to talk to you again next week. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Anglo Italian Pod, on Twitter at Italian Anglo Pod. And if you want to be super fucking professional, add us on LinkedIn. Do the move, dude. We're over there too. We're conquering the world of social media step by step. I'm going to send you off with a quote by Villarreal's Dani Parejo. When the draw was made and Bayern Munich got Villarreal, their coach, whom honestly I don't know, disrespected not only Villarreal, but also football by saying he wanted to settle the tie in the first leg. It was disrespectful. And well, sometimes when you spit up in the air, it falls on your face. Well said, Danny. Good luck, Villarreal. Forza Inter, Forza Arsenal. We'll talk to you next Friday. Bye, guys. 